Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, welcome, brothers and sisters, to another episode, Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. I just pray the Lord richly bless you on this day that he has made, and we are commanded to rejoice in it and be glad. And so, praise be to God. Um, my daughter, Destiny, and I, we kind of looked around at the schedule, and we noticed that St. Patrick's Day was coming up. So she said, Dad, you know, how about doing an episode on St. Patrick? Uh, each year on St. Patty's Day, uh, I made sure I sat down with all of my kids, and we would watch a great documentary it was narrated by Liam Neeson, and um, I think uh, Destiny will put the link to that documentary on this podcast, and really would encourage you, brothers and sisters, to sit down with your family and watch it. I know that through the years that, you know, St. Patrick's Day has become many things to many people, and I believe it's going to fall on Friday, March 17th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. But, you know, they talk about the luck of the Irish, they, you know, St. Patty's Day, and there's, you know, uh, you got to wear green, and if you don't, you know, you get pinched, and there's all kinds of parades, and commemorations and of course you have to drink Irish beer and drink Irish whiskey I, I, I came across some Irish men over in Northern Ireland and they told me the reason why God invented whiskey is so that the Irish wouldn't take over the world so uh, but anyway you know a lot of the ways that we think about St. Patrick's Day or celebrate St. Patrick's Day would be very foreign uh, to Patrick himself. Uh, this brother in history has an incredible testimony of God's dealings in and through his life. Uh, he grew up actually in England. He was an Englishman. Uh, he grew up in a well-to-do uh, Christian family uh, in England. But like most young people, he didn't take the faith too serious. Uh, that was something that his parents did. Uh, he was more interested in, you know, following his sort of fleshly desires, sowing his wild oats, I guess, in his youth. Uh, but he was not uh, a committed Christian in his youth. And uh, that all changed 
on one fateful day, apparently he was out and about, and uh, some Irishmen, who at that time, you got to remember, they were pagan to their core. These guys were fierce uh, demoniacs. Uh, the way they lived their lives, the way they treated each other, and especially treated their enemies. There was such barbaric cruelty involved uh, with the Irish uh, at that time. And, uh, you know, they would go on expeditions and literally they would kidnap young people, um, you know, raid villages and, you know, pillage and rape and get spoil and take away captives. And uh, on one day, Patrick came across these uh, Irishmen and sure enough, they took him captive and uh, took him to Ireland. And uh, they didn't kill him, praise be to God, uh, but they did enslave him. And uh, they basically put him on a mountainside and um, he was to be a shepherd uh, watching over the sheep um, in Northern Ireland. And I literally... When I have visited Northern Ireland on missionary trips, I went up that mountain where Patrick was confined with the sheep. And uh, it was an incredible journey uh, going up that mountain, you know, walking the hillside, you know, where Patrick walked, you know, you know, you know checking out, you know, the, the scenery and everything around there and... In fact, while I was in Northern Ireland, I went to a lot of places that were marked uh, by Patrick and his journeys. I, I've been to his gravesite. I've been to uh, uh, the main cathedral, uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral. And I also uh, got to visit the first church he planted in Northern Ireland. And so we have a lot of pictures, and I think I have some videos of that. Um, I think Destiny might even put some of that uh, in the links to this episode. It would be uh, worth looking at. Um, just a tremendous historical visit, you know, following the exploits and the journeys of this great man of God in history. So anyway, you know, he's on this mountainside and he's pretty much isolated. Um, he doesn't have much human contact. And then of course the whole shepherd and sheep, you know, narrative, you know, the Lord, you know, our great shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, his sheep hear his voice. And even, you know, David, you know, the shepherd with the sheep and who becomes king. And there, there's so much, um, obviously, biblical narratives that are attached to Patrick's plight. So, you know, he, he's on this mountainside. He's keeping the sheep. He's young. Um, and 
it was in that setting that the faith of his family, the faith of his youth came roaring back. Now, obviously, when he was free and he was, you know, in a prosperous family, um, he really didn't care much about the Christian faith. Uh, but now that he's enslaved, now that he's all alone, now that he's on this mountainside, uh, and it gets windy, it gets cold, uh, he has very little human contact, well, his faith comes roaring back. And this young man develops such a communion with the Lord. This young man is constantly praying, seeking the face of God. And, um, and it's through that time he really develops this very close communion with the Almighty. Well, this goes on for a few years, and I know this might tweak uh, some of my cessationist brethren, uh, but one day um, he, he gets a visit from the Lord, uh, and he tells him, I've prepared a ship for you to take you back to England and literally gives him the route to take. And, and of course, uh, he has to travel by night because uh, if he gets caught uh, trying to escape, that's a death penalty. And so it's, this is a very, very serious matter. His his life is on the line. His future is on the line. But he does believe the Lord has visited him, spoke to him, shown him the way, and he's going to follow it. And he does. And sure enough, he uh, follows this route. I, I believe it was, if I remember correctly, it was about a 200-mile journey uh, to get to this coastal uh, harbor and he, he gets there safely without incident. And lo and behold, he finds a boat. And there are some sailors and there's a captain. And, and he, he's uh, convinced this is, you know, this is my salvation. This is my escape from danger. And he's trying to negotiate with them to convince them uh, to take him back to England and at first, the captain wants nothing to do with that, kind of sends him away. But Patrick's going, I know that I heard from God and you are supposed to take me. Well, the captain kind of softens. And sure enough, uh, he takes Patrick back to England. And of course, he gets reunited with his family and it was like you know patrick raised from the dead of course they really didn't know what had happened to him uh, you know he was kidnapped uh for all they knew he, he 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 was dead um and of course to have him come back home there was a great joy a great reunion uh with the family and obviously, Patrick, he's a, he's a changed young man. I mean, he's, uh, he has developed this incredible walk 
you know, with the Lord. Now, obviously, it was mainly spiritual. It was spiritual communion. Uh, he didn't have the Bible with him at that point. And he didn't like that. He didn't like um, not having knowledge of the scriptures. And, uh, and so he tried to, you know, connect uh, with the Catholic Church, go to seminary and all that. And that was a rocky road. He didn't quite fit in uh, with that whole deal. Uh, but he did get, you know, obviously access to the scriptures, and he, he, he was studying uh, to show himself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth, you know, that he might be a workman, not ashamed, amen? And so, anyway, he's, he's definitely pursuing this relationship with the Lord. Um, he, he's obviously experienced spiritual communion with the Lord, and now he's learning uh, from his word, and as he's going through this process, um, he gets another visitation from the Lord. I, I believe it was in a, a dream uh, this time that he hears a voice from the Irish people. Holy boy, uh, come visit us again. And to, to Patrick, that was sort of like his Macedonian call, if you recall, the Apostle Paul, you know, here's the Apostle Paul. He's just filled with the gospel of the kingdom. He is filled with the revelation of the new covenant. He's, you know, he is just filled with the spirit and he just wants to spread God's word abroad. And, you know, he wants to go here. The Holy Spirit forbids him. He wants to go there. The Holy Spirit forbids him. And he's just sitting there, then where, where do I go? What do I do? All I know is I got this stuff burning in my bones, and I don't know where to go or what to do with it. And that's where uh, he gets his call, where he sees a man from Macedonia, and, and, and in this dream or vision, the man says, come, help us. And, um, and so that's... The call. That's that's when Paul recognizes this is where I'm supposed to go, and this is where I'm supposed to minister the gospel of the kingdom. And Saint Patrick had that same kind of call, and so he's determined to go back to Ireland. Now, remember, these people, you know, these were fierce people. They were uh, their religion was the Druid religion. And if you know anything about that, I mean, it was, you know, demonic to its core. These were fierce people. They were a drunken people. They were an immoral people. They were pagans. Uh, and they were pagans kind of to the max. And yet he is convinced uh, by the Lord through dreams, through visions, hearing the still small voice that he is supposed to go back. And so he makes plans to go back. And I literally, when I was in Northern Ireland, uh, I followed the course. Uh, just like so many times in history uh, when, you know, people are on a missionary trip or on a great expedition, you know, sort of like the pilgrims coming over to the new world. You know, they had 
papers for Jamestown. That's when they're that's where they were supposed to land. But a storm came and blew them off course and they ended up in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And the rest, they say, is history. Well, the same thing sort of happened with um, with Patrick. Uh, he had plans to arrive in a certain place in Ireland. A storm came, blew him off course. And I followed the channel where his boat came in. I went to the spot where he landed. And there's literally a huge um, statue of Patrick right near the hillside where he landed. And, uh, and then I just followed the route where he established his first church. So one thing you need to know, Patrick did not arrive alone. He, he actually had some workers. He actually had some helpers. So anyway, he just starts rolling up his sleeves and starts spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout Ireland. And yeah, there were, you know, many battles along the way with the, you know, the Druid priests and, you know, but Patrick, you know, he, a lot of the, the missionaries back then, they were uh, pretty smart. I don't know if they understood biblically, like what Jesus talks about, you know, you know, the strong man, he has his arms folded because his goods are at peace. But when a stronger one comes, he binds the strong man and then plunders his goods. Now, I don't know if Patrick or some of these missionaries, that was their guidance. But a lot of the times, uh, missionaries like Columba, you know, Patrick, uh, they would go to the chieftains. They would go to the main leaders, the strong men, as it were, and they would minister the gospel to them. And I guess their strategy was, if I could win over the chieftain, then I would have access, you know, to the, the folks uh, under their charge. But whatever strategy Patrick did or used, it was hugely successful, and I believe uh, he established over 300 churches uh, before he went on uh, to his eternal reward with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And um, I've read, you know, some of his journals and some of his writings and even his battles with the established church at the time. I'm telling you guys, he did not fit in at all. Um, and he had huge struggles um, with the Catholic Church, the established church. Um, you know, and, and it was really interesting because he sort of really wanted their approval, you know, wanted their endorsement. But when push came to shove, he, he was just going to obey the Lord. He was going to obey the scriptures. And he did. And at first, he, he came under a lot of like scrutiny, a lot of condemnation. And you can see some of his writings as he struggled through all that. Um, but I will tell you, at the end of the day, God used, you know, that man to literally change civilization and change specifically Ireland. They went from being a pagan nation 
steeped in idolatry, fierce, corrupt, immoral, bloody uh, to a Christian nation. And it, it, it has so, like when I'm over in Northern Ireland, like his legacy has so marked that nation. Uh, it, it's there to this day. Uh, what the Lord has done through that man. And so when it comes to, you know, St. Patrick's Day, Friday, March 17th, in the year of our Lord, 2023, uh, I would encourage you to, um, to sit down with your family, watch this documentary about Patrick, and, and use it to just um, teach your children, inspire your children, you know, it's like the missionary, I, um, I forget his name. Oh my gosh, don't get old saints. Mind is a terrible thing to waste, but I do remember this quote by a missionary. He said, expect great things from God, attempt to do great things for God. And certainly, uh, that was Patrick's legacy uh, that we celebrate on this day. And I just want to conclude uh, this podcast uh, with uh, the prayer of Patrick. And uh, it's a very famous prayer, but it kind of, and, and, and by the way, this is just a portion of a larger prayer that he had prayed but it just shows you he he wanted to be so consumed with christ and so this is his prayer christ with me christ before me christ in me christ beneath me christ above me christ on my right christ on my left Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. You know, when you, when you look at a man like Patrick and you know even to have the inspiration to kind of say this kind of prayer is very reminiscent of the Apostle Paul you know where he talked about he he, he wanted so to know Christ you know I, I believe it's in uh, Philippians let me see if I can find this real quickly brothers and sisters be patient with me um let me see here, Philippians, I think it's three, let me go here, all right, so, yeah, so listen, listen to these words from the Apostle Paul, because I think whether or not Patrick had access to all the scriptures, if he studied this or not, I don't know, but he is certainly... Um, of the same mindset, the same heart of the Apostle Paul when it came to the Lord. 
And he says, but what things, this is Philippians 3, uh, 7, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And you got to remember too, Patrick, he walked away from a pretty good life. His family was fairly wealthy. Um, and you know, through the years, you hear of these testimonies of missionaries that came from wealthy families, and their families were dead set against their, their children to go out on the mission field to face danger and deprivation. And yet they were willing to suffer the loss of all things and count them, in Paul's case, as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, you got to understand in context, he's talking about his Jewish credentials. I mean, Paul was a rock star in Judaism. He was the rising genius in Judaism. He was zealous for the tradition of his fathers. And I find it interesting, as many people who, you know, Jewish this or Jewish that or Jewish roots or whatever the case may be, I find it interesting that whatever he had gained from being, you know, of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth day, you know, uh, you know, being of the stock of Israel or Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee, uh, concerning zeal for Judaism, he persecuted the true church. And he said concerning the law, he was blameless. He says all that. Rubbish. Refuse. Why? Because I gained Christ. And he goes on to say, to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now here, please hear this, brothers and sisters, because, you know, this is Paul's heart. He's talking about our Lord, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means... I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, think about that kind of commitment, that kind of passion to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It was so strong. Let me tell you something. It was so strong, like one of the most incredible passages of Scripture. I think it's in Romans chapter 9 when it when it comes to the concern that Paul has for the Jewish people, for his brethren, his prayers, his commitment to try to reach them with the gospel of the kingdom. He says, I'm telling you the truth. I lie not that he basically asked the Lord to take away his salvation and go to hell so that his brethren according to the flesh, might come to faith 
in Christ. Let me let me read the, the that that passage of scripture because it freaks me out. It's you know it's one thing to maybe physically lay down your life for someone, um, but to lay down your eternal soul, to lay down your salvation, that others might come to faith in Christ. You know, I think we all as Christians, we could look at that and say, yeah, I love the Lord. And gosh, I, I don't think I could honestly say that I'd be willing to do that. But here's the words of the Apostle Paul. I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. Like he's doubling down. A, I'm telling the truth. B, I'm not lying. So you need to get this. My conscience, and now his, he brings in the third witness, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. So telling you the truth, I'm not lying. My conscience bearing witness and the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren my countrymen according to the flesh. Brothers and sisters, you understand what it means to be accursed from Christ. In fact, um, the Apostle Paul uses this word when he is dealing with the Galatian church who's being led astray by the Hebrew Roots Movement. And he says, if anybody preaches a different gospel than what he preached, let him be accursed. He is pronouncing an imprecatory curse upon anybody who would distort or corrupt the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And he is so, he, remember, he wants to know the Lord in the power of his resurrection. He wants to know the Lord in the fellowship of his suffering. And, and in this case, he, he wants people, his, his countrymen, his fellow Israelites to know the Lord. And I could remember my dad, you know, he was he was a hard, hardcore marine atheist. I mean, he this guy, uh, I'm just telling, sometimes I didn't even think he was human. So like if you looked up the scriptures like the lust of the eyes, you know, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, like my dad would be the poster boy for that passage of scripture. He exemplified that. And I was like so desperate to see my father humble himself, bow his knee and surrender his life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I would say desperate prayers to the Lord. I remember one time I said, Lord, if, if it takes you killing me, to snap him out of his delusions and this stupor of sin that he is in, then please, Lord, take me out. Something has to break through the hardness of his heart to get his attention for his need for you. Dear Savior, I'm crying out to them, and I believe with all my heart, uh, the Lord responded, and he said, I do not need your death, son. I need your life. Somebody already else died for him. Of course, speaking of Christ, our Lord. 
And maybe one day I'll share the testimony how God did answer that prayer. But suffice it to say, the Lord did. And my dad was gloriously saved. Praise be to God. So anyway, brothers and sisters, it is St. Patrick's Day uh, coming up. I just wanted to do this quick teaching on St. Patrick, uh, his history, uh, how the Lord uh, dealt with him, the things that he went through, uh, and the great things that he accomplished uh, in Ireland and beyond. You know, obviously, he, he's been gone for centuries, and yet his legacy, his heritage lives on. And, uh, and I do pray you take the time uh, to watch this documentary. Uh, it will encourage you. It will inspire you. And use it, again, to train up your children in the way they should go. So when they're old, they won't depart from it. Well, anyway, that's another episode with uh, Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. Brethren, you keep pressing on to that high call and prize. In Jesus' name, God bless you.